When Kalani was growing up in Oakland in the 2000s, Alicia Keys was part of the soundtrack to her life. Kalani's mom had Alicia CDs. Kids at school who thought they could sing would prove it by belting out If I Ain't Got You, a hit for Keys in 2003. Kalani would go on to a career of her own, establishing herself as one of the most innovative singers of her generation, someone who sort of straddles the worlds of R&B, pop, hip-hop. But she never lost her love for Keys. She actually name-checked her in a song called Can I off her last album. Got me singing like Alicia Got me using all your lingo Tell your girlfriend that you're single Call me over cause So you can imagine what it might have felt like for Kalani to sit across from Alicia one day this summer and hear how much Alicia loved her music. Let me see the first time that I heard Kalani's music. This is kind of crazy to me. <laughs> Whoa! I'm gonna say it was definitely the first album, but it was something more than that. It was almost like, for me, you know, you have a certain energy that you carry with you. I'm shook, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Welcome to Rolling Stone's Musicians on Musicians. I'm Christian Horde, music editor for Rolling Stone. And in this podcast, you'll hear conversations between artists from the worlds of pop, hip hop, country, pop punk, and several in between. Instead of being interviewed by one of us, they ask the questions. Some they've never been asked before. There's no, no sizzle before you go on stage? No there is a little bit, but not the same. Okay. You're not like, maybe I could get out that door and run down the street. You get away from here. <laughs> get away from me. My dad told me when I was really young, he said, sweetheart, there's three ways people will perceive you in the world. They're going to love you and you can do no wrong. They're going to hate you and you can do no right. Or they just won't give a shit. <laughs> he's like, it's going to be one of those three. So, you know, enjoy. Oh my God. <laughs> in this episode, Alicia Keys and Kalani. Hey listeners, I want to take a second to let you know about Allstate's new lower rates. Just a little tip to help you save a lot of money. Better protection for a whole lot less. Go online or call 1-800-ALLSTATE for a quote today. Alicia Keys broke through 20 years ago when Kalani was around six years old. Though the singers represent different generations of R&B, they found they had a lot in common when they sat down to talk in Los Angeles, joined by writer Brianna Younger. Kalani finished her last album, 2020's It Was Good Until It Wasn't, during quarantine, making videos in her garage with her new daughter in her lap. Keys also put out a new album during the pandemic, her first in four years, and both of them have new albums coming out. Keys on December 10th, Kalani sometime this winter. Fittingly for two songwriters who never hold back, whether they're writing about love, heartbreak, or motherhood, the two got deep fast, talking about everything from spirituality to knowing when to walk away, when it's just not happening in the studio. I'm still listening to the same things I grew up listening right. to. I listen to the same stuff. What do you listen to? What's some things that kind of like you go back to and you're like, this sets me off, or you, or you recently discovered even. My mom, the one that raised me, is a super neo soul head. Mm. So like, you would have thought I was a kid from like Philadelphia <laughs> when I was little because of I only knew neo soul right. from like what was played in the house and like a little bit of R and B here and there. And then as I got older, like it progressed because obviously music changed and neo soul kind of yeah, branched out into other evolve. things. Yeah, exactly. but. I didn't know any rap when I was little. Like, I knew no rap, no hip-hop at all. Mm. People would be like, your favorite rapper? And I'd be like, like, woo, um, this is hard. That. Like, I'd have no idea. I also wasn't, like, a big outside kid. Like, my aunt protected me from a lot of stuff. So right. I was kind of in our own little 
Universe. Like our own little world, yeah. And my mom, I say my mom, my aunt interchangeably, but that's my mom. Okay, got it. But she right, wasn't adding right. too many new people. Right. She you liked know, what she we liked. We liked what we liked, and right. I grew up the same way, and I still listen to the same thing, so. I feel you. I listen to Janae, I like her, I like Kalani, I like SZA. I like to take it back to Nina. I love Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. I like to vibe with just super classic things. I love records and artists. There's some artists from Saudi that I like amazing. There's some mm -hmm. artists from France that I love to get into mm -hmm. that are crazy. I just love to explore all yeah. these different tastes and tones and What's places. your like comfort food spot though? That's like, like musically. Like music? Yeah, because that's what I'm talking about. I listen to a lot of things, but I always go back to like my, how I start my morning correctly is like the same, it's like my sweet spot. I think my comfort food music is Sade. I feel like I, when I put her on, I can just be like, I'm good. That's like, how I feel about Stevie. Right. That's a good one. I'm always going to be like, oh, okay, I can oh, relax yeah. now. And I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And you know, it just it just puts you in a zone. Like, mm -hmm. it puts you in an emotional space. And yet, the music world, the entertainment world is like, let's just be honest, fake. So how does a real person like you manage in a world that is really based on illusion mm -hmm. and things that are absolutely not real? I don't think I was always really good at it. Mm. I think from the outside looking in, people have always complimented me in that way. Like, oh, you just always seemed like you just knew exactly who you were. And mm. I think I was just really honest about where I was at with it, no matter where I was at with it. And I might've been like, oh, I'm actually confused right now. I actually have no idea what I'm doing right now. I actually am tripping right now. I'm actually going through it right now. Right. And I think people felt like, oh, I recognize the imperfection that you know, I might be experiencing or the hardship I might be experiencing within my experience. And then it was like, okay, that's why I like you. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. why I connect with you. That's why I'll listen. That's why when you fall publicly, I'll still support you because I see my humanity in you as well. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Navigating the music industry is definitely different. It is. But I've always had people who have reached out and been like, yo, like I see who you are as a person. You know, very seldom you're one of them. Right. I like the music. It's cool. I like what you do. But like I see who you are as an individual and chose to offer me support. And that's been the best. That is it. I think that is probably it. You know, just finding kindred. I got people. a question for you. What's that? How do you think it is now versus when you first came out? Because I couldn't imagine. Y'all didn't have Twitter. <laughs> Y'all didn't have. There was no, there, I mean, at the beginning, obviously at the super beginning, you know, there wasn't those type of social media tools and platforms. I remember when they first started kind of like coming around with the, I was so like, ugh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to share everything? Mm -hmm. I've always been super private anyway. I just, that's my nature. I'm, it's probably just New York shit, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just like New York, you know, you keep it close to your yeah, vest and you just. Uh-oh. No, 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 I Hold love on. it. I wish. We're a little too chill. We're like, yeah, I'll tell you everything you need to know. Right, but we like, nah, I don't, you know, you don't really know me. You don't really know me. You think you know me. But I think, honestly, it, I guess the thing is it hasn't changed. People are always going to try to use you. People are going to try to get as much as they can get off of you. You're a transaction to most people. It's so tricky because as an artist, your most prized possession, which is the magic that we create, is, is unbuyable and it's unsellable. You can't, mm -hmm. you, you just really can't. It's actually just, a, it's a connection, it's, an, a, it's a frequency. Yeah. So to try to make that a, a item of commerce, 
naturally is a tricky thing, but the commerce of it is always generally the same. How it's shared has changed. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big, big difference. And I like that. Before it was, there were so many gatekeepers who kind of held the keys for your life and your future. And now you hold your own keys. You know, mm -hmm. you, you create your connections, you, you, you have an individual's perspective and you can share it. And mm -hmm. I think that's really a beautiful freedom, you know what I mean? Yeah. Man, and, and then like, what do you do for inspiration? Because I always find that when I'm talking to you, you have a very beautiful, I think, spiritual side to you mm -hmm. that you're seeking and actively searching and actively practicing. So how did you get into it and how are you practicing it amidst super busyness, being a mom? Well, I'm in a very committed, very serious spiritual practice. That's beautiful. I was in a lot of different spiritual journeys growing up. You know, I grew up Christian and then my grandma who was taking me to church passed away and mm. then I was like, oh, Buddhism seems awesome. Mm. And I dipped my toe and then I, something else would seem awesome and I would read up and then I would go read here and I would go read here and I would go connect with people here and they would take me to their temples and they would take me to their ceremonies. And Wow. But to me, the most important is, you know, lineage and ancestor work and just taking care of the people who were here before you because mm. it's really all that we can do to pass on in a real way, if that makes sense. Mm, like, we I know where that. they go after and they have a major purpose for us, so we really have to be on the other side of that relationship and take care of them as well. Um, oh my gosh, I love that. I think every single person on earth has the ability to be mystically spiritual. It's just about maintaining a connection with the spirits that you have around you, mm. and everybody has the capability to do it because we all have dead people. We all have ancestors. Right, right Everybody right. has somebody to take care of. Yeah. And it's super simple, but it definitely, spirituality has always grounded me because it does remind you that there's so much more than right here. Yes. And I feel like I I've feel needed that. it. It saved my life so many times. So now I'm just really disciplined with it and just give as much energy to it as I can. And it takes care of me the same way. We'll hear more from Kalani and Alicia Keys after this short break. Stay with us. Hey listeners, I just wanted to take a second to let you know about Allstate's new lower rates. Just a little tip to help you save a lot of money. Better protection for a whole lot less. Go online or call 1-800-ALLSTATE for a quote today. Welcome back. You're listening to Rolling Stone's Musicians on Musicians. We've been listening to Alicia Keys speaking with Kalani. Here, Alicia asks Kalani about the challenges of releasing a new album during a global pandemic and another major life change. You more recently became a mama, and that would have been in the middle of, like, a friggin' pandemic. Mm -hmm. Well, she spent her first birthday, actually, in the pandemic, so it was actually a week or two after they announced, like, okay, we're officially locking down. Mm. So we had, like, a pandemic birthday, and it was just me, her dad, my little sister, pretty much anybody who lived in the house, plus right. her dad, and, like, her one best friend that we got super tested, and everybody wore masks and stayed apart because right, we didn't exactly. really know what anything at the time. And yeah. It's been interesting because I dropped an album from home. Yeah. I shot a bunch of videos from home. Like but I got to do home? it with her on literally home. We had finished the and music. And the visuals were fresh too. Like Thank how you, you. It was at me home. and one person who's my photographer. We bought a camera and we bought Adobe and we literally got on YouTube and learned how to edit videos okay. and just did them all in my hot garage in the valley. 
Yes. With no AC in there. Ooh, that's hot. And my baby on my lap. That's so amazing. I haven't, I, we were just talking about this actually, I haven't experienced what it's like yet to be super away from my child and mm. working because we yeah. spent majority of her life so far in this pandemic and all of my work has been from home. I'm just now starting to leave and be back on set or be back in the studio or be back away from my house and kind of navigate like what that looks like for me. And I think creatively it really, it impacts me in a way of, I, I just think about everything different. Right. You know, like you always have something to like, I can't really be super reckless. You just have a second thought. You have a second thought at all times of just like, I have something major to consider in every single movement of my day, even if it's tiny. Yeah, no, it's definitely different. I remember for me too, it was just like, I found my power and I didn't have the strength to tell people no by myself because I wasn't important enough to myself. Mm -hmm. But that baby was important enough to me mm -hmm. that I found my power. Mm -hmm. and, and in that way, they gave me a gift for myself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I needed kind of that, that thing that just mm -hmm. took me over the top. So I, I know what you mean about being more considerate and, and thinking because even that too, like I also, cause I used to burn the studio down to the ground. I mean, like <laughs> I would be digging for the thing until mm -hmm. I was on the floor. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And it would be seven in the morning and I'm finally going home. And then now I'm at a place where I'm just like, okay, it's not happening. Go to bed. Go, leave. It's not today. It's okay. Oh, I love when you finally get to that point. Right? It's the best, like, you know what? It's not my day today. I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna, exactly. I'm gonna, and, and that was, that changed everything too, because it actually allowed there to be more space. Mm -hmm. And I and I didn't realize that space gave you more. Inspiration. Mm -hmm. Here you are thinking you gotta. You can't create if nothing's happening. You know? Yeah, so I mean, I'm the same way. Like, if I'm in this, if I'm trying to put myself in the studio every single day, right? Then I'm seeing four walls every for 12, day. 13, 14 hours a day. Yeah. And then I go home and see my four walls in my bed. Start tripping. What am out. I? Am I gonna write music about the four walls? Yes. Like, yes. what am I experiencing <laughs> to allow me to like bring anything in? And at least if I'm home and I'm resting during the day, like it's not a dark, my dark room at nighttime because that's the time I get home or, you right. know? So I think motherhood influenced my writing in a way of just like, you write about love from different emotions. Like you can write about love from anguish or impatience mm -hmm. or gratitude or lack of it. I don't know, but all of the things that you gain when you become a parent influence you know, how you view love. I feel like in romantic relationships, I write love songs. I don't say I write more things than that. I don't I don't even fight it anymore. Right, like, like I make music about love. It's the most universal thing. It'll never go away. You'll nah, never get tired of it. Never. People will experience it till the earth explodes. Crumbles. So obviously like my baby gave me patience and a backbone and, mm, and that's all of these things. So I'm, then I'm experiencing relationships and I'm like, I'm hella patient now and I have a backbone. And then the songs aren't these like, pick me, I'm dying without you songs because ultimately it all goes back to how my kid made me. Mm. So yeah, definitely I think Parenthood transforms emotion in general, and emotion is direct, you know, creation, so. Yeah, man, feel you. I love that backbone. That's really it. What? I was yes. spineless. Oh, I feel you. <laughs> it's like that. 
Right. You know, like I'm about to yeah. drop music that to me feels vastly different than anything I've ever created. I wouldn't call mm. it like the same, so. even genre sonically than I've done before. And I'm scared about it because I'm like, y'all may receive it in just a like, Kehlani dropping another project. And to me, I'm like, I'm making a freaking pivot creatively mm. because it was something I always wanted to do with people I always wanted to do it with. Yeah. So like, I guess I'd be, I'd just be nervous, but I have to also stop psyching myself out. And like, I try to look from this bird's eye view of like, well, I'm probably gonna drop like five more albums. I'm gonna have this experience a bunch of more times. Right, like, right. don't freak out, be like water, let it come out, let people think whatever they think of it. And I try to always come back to the emotion that I felt when I was creating it. Like, I yes. love this so much when yes. I put the final touches on it and was like, this song is done. This is it. So let me try to just like get back in that headspace when it's out. So do you think that what's, what the thing that makes you nervous is the judgment? Like, just honestly, just drop into the honesty of like the truth. Because it has to be, right? Every, every all of us, everyone, get scared of being judged in a way that you it's don't... it's judgment. It's receiving. You know how we're sitting here and you told me your favorite thing about me is me. Right. You can receive me. You can mm, see me. I have a, okay. I have a, sometimes a hard time okay. feeling like people don't receive me. You can feel how you feel about whatever comes out on the surface mm. with music, creativity, interview I might have done, but like being perceived or like received as a whole, really mm. it's seeing my heart. So I feel like if I'm putting out this thing that's coming from my heart and I feel like you can't you can't receive my heart in it, right, right. That, that makes me nervous. Okay. I'm like, did you listen to the lyrics? Right. Did you hear did you what hear it what meant? I was saying? You know what I mean? Could you understand? I go through those processes. Mm. So it isn't even judgment because I don't care if you like the song or not. Somebody's gonna like the song and I'm really glad they do. And I love the song. But do you can you feel me? I feel that. I really see that. I love that. You 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 described that beautifully. Thanks. Yeah. For me, when I'm releasing music or putting together a project, I think before I definitely felt everybody else's energy. You know, like you, you can get used to picking up other people's energy mm -hmm. because like once again, everybody has skin in the game. They have something they're gonna gain or lose from mm -hmm. your shit, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I think I used to, pick up their energy so much that I would start to make it my own thoughts when it wasn't really mine, I inherited them. So that's something that I learned over the time, just to be really cautious and aware about what your feelings are because a lot of times you're just regurgitating what someone else's feeling that you mm -hmm. think is how you feel, but it's mm -hmm. actually not. And mm -hmm. that's, I think that's quite tricky, especially in this this interesting world where there's so many opinions attached to even before you even, you know, you share your music with your inner crew and they're gonna have their vibes on mm -hmm. it. And this you is gotta- the best song you ever made. And you're like, is it? Fuck. Or they might be like, you know, I mean, nah, I like it, but <laughs> man. And then you gotta feel how that feels too. Mm -hmm. I actually feel a lot more confident than I ever did before because I really love the vision I have for mm -hmm. it. And I feel squarely like in that zone so I know however it goes and whatever the response is to it, I just feel like what I do and what you do is one of a kind. And, I'm, and I, I know my shit is fresh. And I know that, <laughs> I know that what I'm doing is genuine. Mm -hmm. It's like from a place that I really cared about 
every part that you heard, every part I played and every part I wrote and every, the mix that I put mm -hmm. on it and this sound that I put underneath mm -hmm. it and the way I'm gonna sing that vocal, I cared about every single piece of it and I don't think people can deny when you take that level of love with it. Mm -hmm. You can't deny it. So I've given up a lot of this idea of wanting people to approve of me. And it feels much better. <laughs> Give me a couple years. God. <laughs> you on your way. I'm you already, you close. I'm a lot closer than you, I was a year ago. You close. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's, I know what you mean, because a lot of people would tell me too, like, man, at least you always seem like you, sometimes you share that, you know, you didn't have a strong sense of yourself, but you always came off so strong. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? You always were so strong. And I think that's what happens with strong people. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's those people that come off really strong and together that oftentimes need the most kind of checking in on. Because you're always... holding it down for a lot of other people. Yeah. And so actually, I can already tell that you're definitely in that space. Are you good? You're super good. <laughs> All right. Now, something that I like to say is like a piece of peace. How do you prioritize your happiness like is that easy for you well i actually have a slogan that i roll with every day that's like prioritize joy and it's being mm. able to separate the difference between happiness and joy talk to me about that that's a, that's a jewel joy that's a jewel you have to be able to compartmentalize that feeling and then figure out what activities or things you do that bring you actual euphoric joy. And mm. I make sure I just participate in those as much as possible. Mm, so the thing is... I'm telling you, grocery shopping grocery is shop joyful for me. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Instacart don't do it for me. I love it. I be using it now. But. Now. But being able to go to the grocery store myself and knowing I can have a blast... So hold on, the bomb drop is that happiness and joy They're are different. Can you break down the difference between happiness and joy? I feel like you can joy? experience happiness all the time mm. in all these little, you know, sometimes surface level ways, but you know when you are experiencing like sheer joy. Mm. And it's like unwavering, it's undeniable. No, Fresh it off stage, you just did a show. Joy. joy. On stage, people are singing your songs to the point where you put the mic down and you're just like, joy. Jo you yes. know what I mean? Your kid is playing with other kids. They're rolling around. You're you're finally sitting back like, wow, that's joy. Mm. You know what I mean? Versus we have like happiness all day. Like my coffee was good. Happiness. I'm happy. I so made it to set today on time. I'm happy. <laughs> but joy. Yes. Prioritize it. Yo. That's it. You'll find a version of this conversation and many others in the November issue of Rolling Stone on newsstands right now. Musicians on Musicians is produced by Jasmine Morris and me. Executive producers are Gus Wenner, Jason Fine, Simon Vazek Levinson, Brian Sheka, and myself. Interview and scripting help by Brianna Younger. Our senior producer is Jasmine Morris. Mixing by Jarrett Floyd. Bridget Chelsea is our production manager. Fact checking by Megan Jordan. Dan Halperin is executive producer for Rolling Stone Video. Kimberly Aliyah is co-executive producer. I'm Rolling Stone's Christian Horton. Next time on Musicians on Musicians, Lord and David Byrne. <laughs> <laughs>